Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Uh, my name is Rich. I'm the pastor here. Hi to those of you who joined us online. Uh, and I've got to say, I'm, I'm glad to be back with you. Last week, I was out sick and uh, so thankful that we have uh, Pastor Judy as our associate here and that she was able to jump on that grenade and, and bring the message to you last minute, last week. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be back. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for, I think, as long as they've been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that the Lord is with us, that when we gather together to worship him, or even when we tune in online, that, uh, that the Lord meets us right where we are. And I don't know about you, but I am incredibly grateful for that. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, that you meet us right here, right where we live, whether we're, whether we're feeling great or whether we're feeling uh, weak, whether we're feeling down or whether we're feeling up, God, you meet us right where we live. And and so we know that you already are involved in all the stuff of our lives. So everything that we carry with us into this time of worship, uh, the anxieties that we have, the, the hurts that we're feeling, the grief that we bear, uh, <clears throat> the confusion, the, the frustration, all the stuff, God, that we bring with us, the, the joys too, and the, and the gratitude. God, all that we bring with us into this time, you're already aware of it. You're already involved in it. So we're grateful that you give us this chance to, to be aware of your involvement, to be aware of your presence in our lives, to be reminded through song and scripture and prayer and, and to be reminded by the, the sacrament of Holy Communion that you are close to us, that you are with us. Thank you, God. Uh, help us to be aware of your presence today. Help us to be open to hearing from you and to being honest with you and with each other and with ourselves. Please, God, we need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
How about that sunshine? I feel like dumb for being so receptive to just having the sunlight out. I don't know about you guys, but it's like a game changer. <laughs>
Psalm 5-3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Running out. 
Amen. Amen. Man, thank you for that song this morning. <laughs> I invite you to pray with me, would you? Lord, you truly, truly have been so good to us. Lord, when I stop and think of where I could be without you, where I would be if it were not for you, Lord, I'm overwhelmed by your goodness. Lord, you didn't wait for me to come to you because that probably never would have happened. Lord, you were coming after me. You were coming after each of us throughout our entire lives. From the moment we drew our first breath, Lord, you started pursuing us with your love and your grace and your mercy, your compassion. Lord, I'm so thankful for that today. Without you, Lord, we would <laughs> we'd just be lost. There would be no us gathered here this morning. There would be no, no family here to love each other, support each other, to be there, Lord. You truly have been so, so good. We can never thank you enough for that, Lord. And, and Lord, we, can, we all, always need to be mindful. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of the fact that you are truly a good God. Regardless of what's going on, regardless of what we're facing, Lord, because some of us, honestly, are looking at a future that doesn't look like we wanted it to. It doesn't look like we planned it. Yet, Lord, we know that we can trust you to be there with us. We know that we can trust you to, to take us through whatever it is we face. And that, Lord, even if we don't see that good in this life, that there is a hope and a future for the next. What a thing to hang on to, Lord. What a hope that we have. We are so very thankful. We're thankful, Lord, that we have Pastor Rich back with us this morning. That you have healed and restored his body so he can be here with us. And I ask a special blessing on him this morning as he brings your word to us. We're very thankful, Lord. Be with us in this service. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us into your presence. For each present person that's here, each person that is joining us online or right now or joining us later, Lord, I know that you have drawn us in by your presence and by your love, and so we thank you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory because you truly are a good God. And we pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. 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 And now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, pass the peace amongst yourselves.
So just a real quick word to those of you joining us online who couldn't shake hands and everything just now. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So please drop us a comment or something. Let us know how you are. Uh, let us know you're with us. Or if you want, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. You can share with us uh, if there's something private you want to say, some way that we can pray for you or thank God with you or something like that. Uh, or if you have just have questions like, hey, what is this place and what are they doing and all of that. Uh, ask away. We would love to answer your questions. And same thing goes for all of you in the room. You can go online too and do that or... Uh, in the back, there are some little green cards. You can just jot your note or your question or, or how we can pray for you on that and drop it in. There's a little box there you can drop it in. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well. Or uh, you can give online. There's a QR code there. There's a link on the screen. What, however you want to do that, that's great. Uh, thank you to all of you who give faithfully uh, to make sure that we can continue to do the work that we do here in our community and, and around the world, including this overnight warming center that is uh, getting close to wrapping up. We, uh, we committed to doing that for the months of January and February this year. Uh, last year we extended it into March a bit, but uh, this year it looks like we're going to be ending it right. Uh, February 29th will be our last night here in the morning of March 1st. And uh, so please be praying for all of our neighbors who have been staying here. We have uh, averages out to about a dozen people a night. Uh, it's not always the same dozen people. Um, and, uh, and they need places to go. So um, be praying for them that, that God will help connect them with the right resources, the right people, uh, the place, that they'll have a place to go uh, once we're our little overnight warming center is not, not able to, to keep going. And be praying, too, for, uh, for the new shelter that's getting built here in town. Uh, Mitch, what do we call that thing? Is it Daybreak? Is that what it's called? Daybreak. Okay. So, Mitch Peters, if you have questions about that, Mitch Peters over there uh, sitting in the corner by himself this morning. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's the guy with answers. So, uh, Respite House is helping to build a new shelter that uh, is supposed to take the place of the rotating men's shelter that rotates through churches that we've participated in for years as well. It's going to give them one place to actually uh, live during that time that they're in that uh, situation. And then uh, it's also going to have a warming center attached so that in winters when it gets cold, uh, they won't need churches like us to open our doors. There'll be a place. that, And we'll find out. They might still need volunteers to help staff that. We'll, we'll find out how that all goes. But uh, some of you might have seen the news that uh, it's on property that the city owns and is gradually uh, going to transfer to Respite House. And they've, it looks like they've cleared the land. So there's progress being made finally uh, toward that thing getting, getting built. So be praying that that all goes smoothly because that will be a huge asset for our community. Uh, next Sunday, there's two different things going on uh, that you've got on the back of your, if you've got one of these little bulletin handout things, uh, it's on the back of there, it's on the screen. Games and Giving Backs happening next Sunday afternoon, starting at 1 o'clock. Uh, there's going to be games, there's going to be different rooms set up for littler kids and older kids and for adults. Uh, it's just a whole bunch of different, just fun games, uh, board games, that kind of thing. And, uh, and the idea is just to get together, have a fun time. I think there's going to be some, some food for sale if you want to buy that. Uh, there's going to be other opportunities to give, and all of it's going to support Unity Cafe, which happens here on Friday nights uh, from 4 to 8 p.m. Um, there's a nonprofit that Sam Burgett has been running for years now that, that coordinates that. And I don't know if you know, we have, uh, we have folks from the community in here every Friday night eating dinner on these tables. And... Um, and we have lots of different churches that help provide those meals. So I get to see on Facebook all the time, like, oh, thanks to this church, thanks to that church. And there's pictures of them standing in our kitchen uh, <laughs> as they provided meals for the community. And uh, you have provided the space. So thank you for doing that. And if you'd like to help support that work, um, you can come next Sunday afternoon. And uh, it's a suggested donation of five bucks a person. And uh, there's also going to be, I think, like a book exchange and all kinds of fun stuff. So if you go to the link that's there, uh, or if you go to our church website and down at the bottom somewhere, there's a link about games and giving back, um, or it'll cycle through on the top. Anyway, 
There's lots of different ways you can find out. It takes you to a Facebook thing. It's got lots more information if you have questions about that. Uh, and then also next Sunday in between the services, so right after this 9 o'clock service or right before the 1030 service, uh, we have our annual meeting. It's an all-church meeting that everyone's invited to. It's just a little update on where are we as a church, how are we doing financially, what's coming up this year, that kind of a thing. Uh, and it's a chance for those who have committed to membership here to elect to their church board for the coming year and, uh, and that sort of thing. So if you'd like to be a part of that, then, I mean, you're, you're here at 9 o'clock. You can just stick around. So next Sunday, just like... Don't leave right away, and you can be a part of that. So the folks at 1030 have to remember, and they have to show up early. Uh, <clears throat> there's one other thing that's not on the back of your bulletin that uh, I need, like, I need to train, like, three or four of you in how to do all the audiovisual stuff so that when I'm out of town, uh, a lot of it I just do. I get here early, you know, and so I walk around the room, and I turn things on, and I make sure the sound's working, and when the band's uh, doing their stuff, I'm usually putting my message notes in there, and so I just, you know, adjust their sound levels if they need it and that kind of thing. And over time, the people that we did have that were volunteers that did that, uh, for the most part, then, like, as they have left, we haven't replaced them because oh, I'm standing there. I'll just do it, you know. That, that didn't work very well because then if I'm sick or I'm out of town or something like that, we need to have, like, a handful of folks who know how that stuff works. So if you would like to help with that, jot me a note, send me a text, write it on one of those cards or something saying, hey, teach me how to do that stuff. And some Sunday or some other time, we'll get the half dozen of us together and just spend an hour saying, hey guys, here's how this soundboard works. Here's how you make sure the musicians can hear what they need to. And here's how the video works so that we can be online and people can, can watch us when they're out of town or when they're homesick, like I was last week, or that kind of thing. So if that interests you in some way, I'm guessing there's a handful of you who are like, yeah, sure, I could do that. Now, <clears throat> if, you're, uh, if you're totally tone deaf or something, you know, and you can't like... Maybe, maybe that's not for you, okay? But uh, if you can hear something, you know, and you can tell, like, oh, they're a little too loud. I should turn them down a little bit. Or, oh, they're a little too quiet. I, should, I can't hear them, which is most of us, okay? Then, sure, sign up for it. But, uh, or if you're afraid of technology, if everything you w w use technologically, like, somehow mysteriously fries, don't sign up for this, okay? We can't afford to replace that stuff right now. So if, uh, if your watches are always, you know, like on the fritz and that kind of thing, uh, yeah, that's, that's not for you, but... As long as that doesn't happen, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to, I'd love to show you how that stuff works. So um, I think that, is there any other announcement I'm supposed to be making this morning that I'm not forgetting? I don't think so. Okay, great. Then we can dive into the message. Uh, if you open up your notes, you'll see um, that today we are going to start uh, looking at the gospel according to Mark. So um, <clears throat> it's a weird one. And, uh, and we're doing this for the season of Lent. Uh, some of you have heard of the season of Lent, right? Uh, maybe you've heard of Mardi Gras, at least, and Fat Tuesday and all of that. that that's that's the, the party that happens before Ash Wednesday, which, by the way, was this last Wednesday. We don't make a big deal out of Ash Wednesday here, and we don't make a huge deal out of Lent. I know there are some traditions where, like, you know, people give up something for Lent. They give up chocolate or they give up alcohol or they decide to fast, you know, a certain time. Maybe they fast every lunch during Lent uh, as a time of, like, giving something up so they can dedicate some time and attention to God. Uh, <clears throat> we don't... We're not in a tradition that puts a lot of emphasis on that, um, but if that's something that you're doing, it's not a bad thing by any means. Um, so over this season, it's that season that leads us up to the celebration of Easter, Christ's death and resurrection on our behalf, which uh, every church celebrates. And uh, so for this season, I was trying to think, okay, what can we do for this season? And... Um, our, we're part of the Church of the Nazarene, and our denomination publishes something every year that says, hey, if you want to use this devotional guide, and sometimes we've done that. We've bought a bunch of them, given them out to you. I looked at the one for this year, and I thought, 
eh, I don't think that really you know, scratches our itch or whatever. I don't think that's a great fit for us. There were some years in the past where we just spent time looking at a gospel. Like we spent uh, the season looking at the gospel according to Luke and uh, what Jesus looks like according to Luke or, or John uh, and what Jesus looks like according to John. And so I kind of thought, oh, maybe we should do that again. Uh, but we've gone through Luke a couple of times. We've gone through John. And man, last year, as we were making our way through the Bible, we spent a whole month on Matthew. I guess that leaves Mark. You know, Mark's, Mark's gospel is kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> it's just different, you know? I mean, um, Matthew and Luke start out the way we expect them to, right? Like every Christmas time, we read from those two gospels, right? Luke's gospel is the one that, uh, that Linus reads in the, the Peanuts movie, you know, about the, the angels coming to the shepherds and all of that. And, and uh, Matthew's the one that talks about the star leading the wise men and the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they, both of them have the stories of the baby Jesus and angels appearing to Mary and to Joseph. And John's a little weird. I mean, he, he doesn't do the birth stuff, but he starts out with, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he kind of starts cosmically and he's got this beautiful beginning to his gospel. Mark, um, well, Mark, Mark starts like this. It says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He just, he just kind of dives into the story. He doesn't give you any prologue. He doesn't give you any, he gives like one sentence saying, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then just dives right in, grown up John the Baptist, grown up Jesus, you know, um, <clears throat> just kind of skips the whole, you know, him being born in a manger and all that good stuff. Just jumps right into the action. And in fact, Mark's gospel often has been described as kind of a, a, an action type story. Uh, he just has Jesus like running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and uh, without a whole lot of commentary in between. Uh, sorry, to get back. Uh, so uh, what, where do we say? The whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem went out to, to him, to John the Baptist. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. In other words, he was weird. <laughs> and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He, he takes kind of this prophet role. And, and Mark, along with all the other Gospels, uh, they all start with the story of John the Baptist. Once they get through the birth stuff or the cosmic stuff, or whatever, they all center in on John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. And he quotes Isaiah. He quotes Malachi a little bit, but mostly Isaiah. And... Uh, and so I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 40, what he's quoting there, to see kind of like what, what is this whole idea about preparing the way for the Lord and what's that, what's that mean? So here's the prophet Isaiah, generations earlier, speaking to the people of Israel during a time of great distress, during a time when their enemies were de had defeated them, during a time when they're wondering, do we have a future as a people? Isaiah comes and says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In other words, you've, you've been punished, all right? Punishment time is, is done. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. In other words, they're smoothing the path, right? 
It's not they're filling the potholes, right? They're making sure that God, as he approaches, is going to have a smooth entrance into, back to his people, into Jerusalem. They're making straight in the desert a highway for our God, saying God is returning to his people. So let's get the place ready. And it says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A few verses later, he says, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. This is the passage that Mark points to as, John the Baptist, as he talks about what John the Baptist is doing. He's preparing the way for the Lord. He's preparing the way for God, the God of Israel, to finally come back to his people, show up and make things right. And who shows up? It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The, the prophecy of Isaiah and seeing John the Baptist as this one who's preparing the way for the Lord sets us up to expect God to show up. And God does show up in Jesus, in the flesh, the, the Son of God, God in a body. He shows up, and, and we have in his baptism this moment where the voice from heaven, the voice of God says, yes, you are my Son, whom I love. I'm well pleased with you. At once it says, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Matthew goes into more detail, describes the temptations and all this kind of thing, and Jesus uh, saying, no, no, no. Mark just says, yep, he, he, he endured that. And then it goes on. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So see, he's, we're 15 verses in, and Jesus already is beginning his ministry. He's been baptized. He's, he's been through the wilderness temptations. He's, John's already in prison, and now he's out proclaiming the good news. 15 verses. Um, he doesn't waste any time. You know, Mark, Mark just gets moving. It's only 16 chapters long, and, uh, and he, he does not waste, <laughs> doesn't waste one bit of space. Now, for those who are wondering, ah, actually, you know what? Um, yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and say this part. We're going to watch a little Bible Project video in just a second, but I don't think they go into great detail. Mark, the, the author of this gospel, uh, was not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Um, I'm pretty sure it's John Mark. That's what Christian tradition says from way back. Uh, so that John Mark, who appears elsewhere in the Bible as a companion to Paul and his cousin Barnabas on their missionary journeys, that he became friends with Peter and apparently took Peter's proclamation, Peter's preaching, as Peter would go around telling people the good news about Jesus and the story of Jesus and all that Jesus did and said and, and accomplished, that Mark was paying close attention. And that at some point, Mark decided, we got to write this stuff down. Maybe Peter was getting up there in years and Mark thought, uh-oh, he's not going to be able to keep doing this much longer. We better, we better get his message down for other people to hear it. Or whether it was just a realization that, you know, the, they were entering into a time of persecution and they thought, okay, we need to get this message. Some Peter can't encourage everybody. we got to get this message to as many churches as possible. But very early in Christian history, Mark's gospel was recognized as uh, Mark accurately recording what Peter had to say. And, and this, is, this is testimony from people who were, who were early enough that they heard some of the apostles preaching. All right? So this is not like hundreds of years later. 
This is testimony from people who, who kind of overlapped with the last disciples to die, saying, yep, Mark's accurately recording what Peter went around teaching and preaching about Jesus. And what he has Jesus saying within 15 verses is Jesus going and preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Well, what does that mean for the kingdom of God to show up? What, what does that mean for Jesus to be kind of the Lord returning to his people in Jesus? That's why I want us to watch this little four-minute uh, Bible project video about the gospel according to Mark. The Gospel of Mark is a book in the Bible about the life of Jesus. And the earliest reliable tradition tells us that it was written by a guy named John Mark. Now Mark didn't just grab a bunch of random stories about Jesus and throw them together. He's designed this book to address some really specific questions about whether or not Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So let's stop right there because that's a term a lot of people like me aren't very familiar with. Yeah, so the Messiah was a royal figure, sometimes called the Son of God, that Israel was expecting to come and set up a kingdom here on earth. And around the time of Jesus, Israel was occupied by Rome, and so many Jews were hoping that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans and rule as king. But Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans. In fact, he was killed by them. And that brings us to the very issues Mark is trying to get at in this book. So in the first half, he focuses on who Jesus is. Is he really the Messiah? And then in the second half, he's addressing how Jesus became the Messianic King. And then right here in the middle of the book is this pivotal story that brings the two halves together, and Jesus answers both of these questions. Okay, so let's talk about the first half of the book, who Jesus is. So Mark makes his beliefs about Jesus very clear from the first line of the book. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. One of the next stories is Jesus getting baptized and God's voice announces from heaven, this is my son. So it couldn't be more clear, it's presenting Jesus as the Messiah. Yes, but as you're reading through this first half of Mark, you'll notice something really interesting start to happen. Jesus is going about healing all these different people, and he's constantly telling them to keep quiet about who he is. This happens so many times in Mark's account, it's very strange. Yeah, why keep it a secret? So remember, lots of Jews had lots of different expectations about what the Messiah would be and do, and so Jesus doesn't want people to misunderstand what it means for him to be Israel's Messiah. And so with all that in mind, we come now to the pivotal story at the center of the book where Jesus takes his disciples away and he asks them, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says what everyone's been saying, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. But then something new happens because Jesus starts explaining to them how he's going to become the Messianic King and it is not what they expected. He says he's going to suffer and die and rule by becoming a servant or in his words, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to become a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter is startled by this and he rebukes Jesus because there's no way he's going to let Jesus die. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan, which is really intense. It really is. But it highlights how important it is for Jesus that his disciples come to understand who he really is. And so here now in this pivotal section, Jesus tries three different times to have this conversation with them. And every time they respond in confusion and even fear. Okay, so this launches us into the second half of the book where Mark addresses the question of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. It's the last week of Jesus's life. He goes to Jerusalem, gets in conflict with the religious leaders, 
and gets arrested. And he's put on trial as someone who's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He's even given a crown and a purple robe like a king would get, but it is all a cruel joke. Then he's mocked and beaten and hung up on a cross where he dies. And it's here in this crucial scene that we meet a new character. A Roman soldier. Who suddenly gets everything that's going on. He says, surely this is the son of God. Which is crazy. It's an enemy who's first putting it all together that Israel's messianic king is the crucified Jesus. That's the structure of the book of Mark. But the book doesn't end with Jesus dead on the cross. No. So on the third day, some women go to visit Jesus' tomb, only to find that it's empty. And then there's this angel standing there, instructing them to go and tell this good news that Jesus is alive from the dead. But instead, they run away and they don't tell anyone because they're afraid. And that's how the book ends. Which is a really abrupt ending. Yeah, it's so abrupt that later scribes did add an ending that brings more closure to the story. And you'll find that story in your Bible with a little footnote that says it was added much later. But Mark's a brilliant storyteller, and he's intentionally ended this book abruptly. So all through the book, the disciples have been confused about Jesus' plan to give up his life, the story in the middle and now right here at the end. It's like Mark is acknowledging just how startling this claim really is. And he wants you, the reader, to wrestle with it for yourself. Is this crucified Jesus really the Messiah that they've been waiting for? That's the question. And, uh, and it's a question that Mark forces us to wrestle with. I mean, the other Gospels do too, but Mark really just leaves you stuck with it. Um, because Jesus doesn't show up and do everything they expected uh, him to do. And that's, that's one place where I feel like this story really connects with, with me, with us. Uh, because haven't you wondered sometimes, like, God, I thought you were going to do this. But instead we're doing this? Oh, okay. You know, I thought my life was going to go this way, but, oh, but it's, it's not going that way at all. And sometimes our expectations, our hopes, like, get redirected and we find ourselves asking, is, is this really the plan, God? Is this the way that you're going to do your work in my life and through my life in, in the world? And, uh, and that's definitely what the disciples had to struggle with uh, because Jesus doesn't fulfill all their expectations. Now, at first, it seems like maybe he is. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's casting out these impure spirits. And, and those impure spirits, uh, that's what they call them in some of these uh, verses, demons, whatever, they're spiritual beings, and they know who Jesus is. There, there's no question in their mind. They, it's like they could see behind the curtain. You know, they know who Jesus is. There's a story in the, in the very first chapter still. Remember, Mark doesn't waste any time. Very first chapter, uh, he's got a story. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Just a couple of verses later, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The people around him might have been confused and asking, who is this? But the demons, they knew. 
They knew exactly who Jesus was, the Holy One of God, the Son of God, um, that he was God present in their midst with the power of God, changing things in ways that they didn't like. Uh, but Jesus, as, as mentioned in the video and as mentioned here, keeps like putting the, the hush on that news, which again is a little strange. Uh, how many of you have seen the, the TV show The Chosen? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you have watched that? If you haven't, I encourage you to. It is free. You can watch it on their website or on an app or whatever. Um, I finally caught up with all of season three because season four is about to come out. And uh, I, I got to say, I resisted it at first. Because I have, I'm kind of allergic to most Christian movies and TV shows. Um, There's just something about it. I, I think it's because back when I was a teenager, we were kind of at the height of Christian subculture or whatever, where Christians would just kind of take something that was popular in the world and then kind of try to turn it into some kind of a Jesus-y message. I remember getting a, a sweatshirt one time that had these three frogs on it. Uh, taken after the Budweiser commercials. There were some Budweiser commercials of frogs that said, Bud, Bud, you know, wise. And, you know, they put it together to say Budweiser, and it was probably in the Super Bowl ad or something. Anyway, somebody thought it was a good idea to put three frogs on a T-shirt, but these are angel frogs. They have angel wings. They're on clouds, and they're saying, God's wise-er. And I got this as a gift. And uh, I don't remember if I wore it proudly or not. I was kind of a weird teenager. But, uh, <clears throat> but this is kind of the, the state of Christian creativity at the time. And so I've kind of got this aversion to most Christian movies, Christian TV shows. So I started hearing about The Chosen a few years ago. I thought, eh, I don't know. Thanks. I'm sure it's great, you know, <laughs> but I, I hadn't watched it. And then Netflix had the first season on it, and I started watching some of it a year or two ago, and I thought, this is really good. <laughs> I mean, they've really done an excellent job of portraying, like, what life might have been like for people living in Jesus' day, and what it might have been like to be one of those disciples that get called to follow Jesus, and, and what Jesus might have been like. And partly I like it because it, there's what well, it reminds Mark's gospel reminds me of it. Because in Mark's gospel, the disciples are, are somewhat clueless much of the time, um, which helps me, right? Uh, this is one reason I'm, I'm happy to spend this season in the gospel of Mark, and I, I hope that you will too. I hope that you'll read it uh, along with us. I hope that you'll, it's not very long. I mean, you could read it this afternoon in like an hour if you wanted to. Um, or you could read it this week real easy. Um, but uh, yeah, the disciples are kind of clueless and it, and it encourages me because like, okay, so if Jesus can work with them, okay, then there's hope for me. You know, If I don't understand everything, that's okay. And that's, that's very clearly presented in The Chosen. I mean, like, they're constantly asking each other, like, you know, what did he mean by that? I don't know. You know, let's just wait till he comes back. And, like, Jesus just leaves them for a while and has to go, you know, do something else. And then he comes back, and they're never quite sure where he is or what he's doing. And, and, and I think, boy, that kind of makes sense. And, and in that TV show, you see Jesus telling people, like, he heals someone and says, you know, there's, it's frequently that he says, yeah, but let's, let's not spread the word about this, okay? Just keep that one, keep this to yourself. Or, or someone will try to, like, praise him as, as God, like he'll heal someone and, and someone will start like, calling him Adonai, calling him God, and he's like, eh, let's leave the titles for later, all right? Just right now, just, you know, go and enjoy being able to walk again. You know, he just, he's kind of putting a little damper on everything because he knows, like, he doesn't want things to blow up too quick. He wants to have a chance to tell the story. He wants to have a chance to help people understand what it means to live in a world where God is king. Uh, he wants to have a chance. He, he doesn't want to. doesn't want to get killed by the Romans too quickly, you know? and he doesn't want to to uh, to push too hard because he knows people are going to take some time to have to 
figure this out. People are going to have to take some time to wrestle with what I'm teaching and what I'm doing and who I am. And, and he's trying to give them that time. And uh, so if you haven't watched it, I, I encourage it. It's a great show. And, um, and especially for the way the disciples are portrayed. And, and I don't know about you, when I read the Gospels, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the disciples are the main people that I relate to, okay? Uh, I don't usually relate to the person getting healed because uh, I'm doing okay. You know, I don't kind of need Jesus to do that to me unless it's like some minor cold kind of a thing, you know. Um, I don't really relate. Sometimes I relate to the religious leaders because I am one of those, and I think, ooh, I don't want to go. God, help me not to go down that path. Help me not to resist you and not recognize you when you show up you know, like the Pharisees and religious leaders didn't. I don't typically relate to Jesus because, you know, he's Jesus. Um, the disciples are usually the people in the story that I relate to the most. Because like them, I've been called to follow this Jesus, to learn from him, to listen to him, to, to let his example be the pattern from, from my life and the way I approach people and, and all of that. I, I want to learn from Jesus how to live the life God created us to live. And so I, I see myself as kind of one of the disciples. And, and in Mark's gospel, from beginning to basically the end, the disciples are like, What's going on here? <laughs> who, who is this? Who are we following anyway? Who did we say yes to? Uh, in chapter 4, we have this moment where they, they just ask that question. Jesus has just done this, this miracle where he, uh, they're out in a boat in the storm, and Jesus just tells the wind and the waves, hey, calm down, be still, and they, they obey him. The wind and the waves just calm down and are still. And the disciples, it says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I mean, as the video just mentioned, you get to chapter 8, and they, 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 they're admitting, you're the Messiah. Okay, we get it. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one sent by God. And so we're looking forward to you overthrowing those Romans because we're tired of being under the Roman, Roman thumb. And, and we're looking forward to you finally kind of restoring the kingdom to Israel and all of that. And, and they've got their expectations, and Jesus, by chapter 8, begins to, about the halfway point of this 16-chapter book, begins to teach them, no, no, uh, if, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. Halfway through that chapter, Jesus says to his disciples, do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? If you've ever felt like that, if you ever felt like, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. I don't understand all of this. Mark says, that's okay. I think that's one of the reasons that Mark portrays the disciples in this way. Because I'm guessing maybe for himself, uh, maybe for the people that Peter was preaching to or that he was in contact with, maybe he knew, hey, we don't always understand what God is up to. It doesn't always make sense to us why God is choosing to go about things the way he goes about them. But as long as you're willing to trust him, as long as you're willing to follow him, he can work with that. Jesus doesn't need our perfect understanding, for which I'm very grateful. You know, I've Spent years going to graduate school, studying theology and Bible and all the rest, right? To try to prepare to be a pastor. And I don't understand everything. He doesn't need us to understand everything. He just needs us to trust him. He needs us to follow him. And the disciples, I'm sure at first, and even into, into the middle of this book, uh, they're thinking, okay, following you means you're going to be in charge one day and we're going to be right there by your side. There's a moment where James and John are like, we want to sit on your right hand and your left when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus is like, oh, guys, I feel like if they were texting, it'd be the face palm emoji, you know, it'd be coming through the phone. And in fact, he, he tries to make it clear in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And this is kind of, this is kind of where I'm 
settling in or soaking in or something during this season leading us up to Easter. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He says, you know, Jesus is about, he's, he's on his way to win a great victory over sin and death and the devil, but it doesn't happen in the way that they're expecting. It happens by him entering into our brokenness and taking our sin on himself and, and submitting himself to being beaten and being rejected and being killed. And Jesus says, if, if you want to follow me, that's where we're going. It's not going to be a life where everything goes perfectly. It's not going to be a life where you just have everything you want and then some. So there are good times coming, yes, you know, but the, the way to get there is going to involve us being willing to suffer on behalf of others. This is not what anyone is, was expecting the Messiah to look like. You know, no one but, as they mentioned in the video, I, I put it in your notes, this centurion, this Roman soldier, when he stood there in front of Jesus dying on the cross and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. But can we recognize that? Can we recognize the cross as a victory? Can we recognize Jesus' suffering as, okay, God, this is, this is the path that you're choosing to go down so that the suffering know that you're with them. This is the path you're choosing to go down so that we can all see how ugly our sin really is. Okay, Jesus, this is the path you're choosing to go down so that, so that by entering into our death, you can destroy death from within and break its power and break the power of death and sin and the devil. It's a... It's a subversive victory that doesn't look like we expect it to look. Can we trust him when he leads us down a path that, that involves our suffering? Can we trust him when he leads us down a path that does not go the way we expected? Who are we following? Is he worth following? Are we willing to trust him? I, I say, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to trust him. Uh, and I hope that you will too. I hope that you'll give Jesus a chance uh, during this season, during these next few weeks. It's about two months until Easter. I hope you'll give him a chance to speak to you, to encounter Jesus in the Gospel of Mark and to see what your heart says, to see what, to see what you think, to see if you can trust this Jesus too. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray before we celebrate communion together. God, we're grateful that you didn't keep your distance from us but that you entered into our brokenness in your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that when you came to, to finally do your work of rescuing us from sin and death and the devil, that you, you didn't just do it like from the sky, but you, you came to us. You entered into our broken world to lead us through, to include us in this amazing work of redemption that you are doing. God, you know we don't always understand it. You know how limited our understanding is. You know how our hearts sometimes get hard. You know how sometimes we fail uh, as we try to make sense of things, as we, as we do our best to follow you. We struggle, God, just like these disciples struggled. Help us, God. Help us as we struggle to keep trusting you. Help us as we struggle to keep following you.
to keep looking to you, to not look away to some other example of what might lead to an easier life or what might lead to, uh, to a life that looks better in the eyes of this world. But God, please help us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and to trust and follow you. We are so grateful for Mark, who wrote this all down, uh, for Matthew and Luke and John too. We're thankful for those who have done the hard work over the years of preserving it and translating it into a, uh, modern English that we can understand. And we're thankful for people who, who put it into, into videos and, and things like that that we can grasp and, and others who take scriptures and, and put it in song. And God, we are grateful for all of those who help us to, to encounter Jesus in the scriptures. Help us during this season to make time to spend time with you so that we can trust and follow you and not just a, a Jesus that we make up for ourselves. <laughs> so we can encounter the very real Jesus who entered into our very real struggle and brings very real redemption, victory, life to the here and now. Thank you that we get this sacrament of Holy Communion that we get to celebrate together to see that you really do come close to us. You are right here as close as bread, as close as juice. God, we offered you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember, Jesus, that as you celebrated with your disciples, you celebrated that Passover meal. You took these elements that were reminding them of your great victory in the past, and you, you brought it into the present and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. This cup is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. You said this seals the new covenant, the new agreement between God and humanity. That in you, Jesus a new salvation was being worked where we can be set free from our slavery to sin. And so God, today we offer ourselves to you acknowledging that we need this freedom, that we cannot free ourselves from our own sinful inclinations. We cannot on our own turn ourselves from being selfish little monsters into good upstanding citizens or something. God, we need your transforming work in our hearts and in our lives. So we confess to you, God, we confess to you, we've not always loved you with all that we are. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. Sometimes we haven't even loved ourselves all that well. God, we admit to you that we need your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. And we are so grateful that you give all of these to us in your son, Jesus Christ. You forgive our sins. You wash us clean. You make us new. Even when we don't understand it all, Jesus, when we put our trust in you, uh, you set us free. Help us today to experience your grace, to experience this freedom as we meet you at your table. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it and return to your seats. Uh, or if you can't make your way forward, we've got on the table some of those little cups that you can peel back and get to bread and, and get to juice. Uh, this is open for all of us for saying yes to Jesus today. It might not all make sense. <laughs> it might be that you're saying, I still don't understand how a guy that lived 2,000 years ago, his death can take care of my sin. I'll be honest, it doesn't all make sense to me either. But I'm staking my life on it being true, on it, on it being uh, the way that God has worked to set us free from sin and death and the devil. And so if you find yourself in, in need of his grace, if you find yourself grateful for his love for you, uh, you're invited to come and to give thanks and to celebrate. Thank you, God, that the request that we've made in this song for you to be glorified in our lives, in our church, in our homes, in our hearts, that, 
that this is work that you actually do in us. That you do uh, glorify yourselves in us as we trust and follow you. You change us from the inside out. You help us to live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters. Fill us with the spirit of Christ today, we pray, so that we might do this and do it well. We are so grateful. Thank you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.